Hello and welcome to this week's recording of the Worcester News, brought to you by the Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind. I am Sally Rowe and my husband Ian will be reading with me and John Plush is our sound engineer this week. Thank you for listening to our contribution. I hope you are all keeping safe and warm during these really difficult times. Any comments that you may have regarding our service, please pop a note in your envelope and send it back to us. Uh, We're always interested to hear feedback. We'll begin this reading with the headline stories, followed by general news from the week, finishing with a couple of sports items. And then the obituaries will be at the end of the recording. Today's sunrise was 7.20 a.m. And sunset is 5.32pm. Now I'll pass you to Ian for the first headline. Hammer threat in parking row. A parking row turned ugly when a man grabbed a hammer and made death threats, a court was told. Hassan Mohammed appeared before magistrates in Worcester where he pleaded not guilty to three offences following an incident in Team Road, Worcester. The 28-year-old of Winchcombe Drive, Warndon, Worcester, denied possession of an offensive weapon, assault by beating and a Section 4 public order offence, all of which are alleged to have occurred on June the 23rd last year. Karen Wright, prosecuting, said, There's an issue with regard to parking a car and an argument between people in the street and it said that the defendant went to get the hammer out of a black Mercedes vehicle, pulled it out of the boot and said, I'm going to kill you. However, Mohammed denies making the death threat and his representative in court, Sam Lansdale, said he would claim he acted in self-defence. The details of the public order offence state that Mohammed used threatening, abusive or insulting words or behaviour with intents to cause fear of or to provoke unlawful violence. The threats are alleged to have been directed at Alberto Brass. Mrs Wright, prosecuting at Worcester Magistrates Court on Monday, said the case was suitable for summary trial and was a very straightforward case. Magistrates accepted jurisdiction for the case. The trial was set down for April the 26th at Redditch Magistrates Court. In a separate case heard the same day at Worcester, Jamie McCollum denied attempted burglary with intent to steal at Francis of Morven's store on January the 2nd this year. The trial is due to take place at Worcester Magistrates Court on April the 26th this year with a morning listing. McCollum, 37, of Coronation Road, Morven, was granted unconditioned bail to attend that hearing. Meanwhile, COVID-19 continues to cause disruption at the courts. Meanwhile, Rhys Williams-Brown was due to appear at Worcester Magistrates Court over video link from a young offender institution, but the hearing could not go ahead because of a coronavirus outbreak there. The 21-year-old faces a single charge of conspiracy to commit burglary with intent to steal with two others 
at addresses in Golden Cross Lane in Cats Hill, Deansway in Bromsgrove, Red Lion Court in Redditch, Damson Close in Telford, Barbary Close in Telford and Cedar Close in Droitwich. A new video link hearing was arranged for February the 22nd at Worcester. On Thursday, police were searching for the body of a woman allegedly murdered by a man, the Worcester News understands. Police cordoned off three sites in Worcester and a man was arrested on suspicion of murder after a serious incident. Officers taped off Diglis Footbridge, Cheviot Close and a home in Waterworks Road. Forensic experts were investigating what appeared to be blood splatters found in a trail running down the small cul-de-sac just off Tolodyne Road. While five police vehicles, including two forensic vans and a fire and rescue boat crew, were at Diglis Bridge yesterday afternoon. Diglis Bridge and walkways around it either side of the River Severn had been shut off since early afternoon with two forensic vans present and a fire service rescue boat deployed as part of a murder investigation. Police tape was also across a home in Waterworks Road, which police confirmed was linked with the other two scenes. One man has been arrested by police on suspicion of murder. It is understood that officers were still searching for the woman last night in the Diglis area. A West Mercia police statement read, we have cordons in place at three locations in Worcester, including the Diglis footbridge, as part of a serious incident. We would ask people to remain out of the areas while the investigation is underway. A man has been arrested on suspicion of murder and is currently in police custody. We believe this to be an isolated incident. Tragic end to river search. This is the face of the woman whose body has been found in the River Severn in Worcester and the article includes a photograph of the woman concerned. The body of the woman, named locally as Christina Rowe, was found in the river on Wednesday night. She is at the centre of a murder investigation. A 24-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of murder and is currently in police custody. Christina was in her late twenties, is believed to have had a young daughter and came from the Philippines. She lived in Cheviot Close, Tolodyne, Worcester, one of the locations which the police cordoned off on Wednesday. A neighbour who did not want to be named said he saw activity at the house early on Wednesday morning. He said there were about 15 or 20 officers here yesterday knocking on doors at around 8am asking if we'd seen anything. I had noticed the outdoor motion lights at a house in the road kept flickering on and off at around 5am a few hours before the police arrived. Senior investigating officer Detective Chief Inspector Dean Jones said yesterday, unfortunately we have located the body of a woman in her 20s in the River Severn during our searches last night. The family have been informed, but formal identification has not yet taken place. A 24-year-old man was arrested yesterday and remains in police custody. This is an isolated incident, and I can confirm that we are not looking for anybody else. 
in connection with the incident. Two further police cordons were set up in the city at Diglis Footbridge, where police were joined by firefighters and specialist divers in their search, and at a home at Waterworks Road. Police confirmed all three scenes were linked to the case. The Diglis Footbridge cordon was removed yesterday. On Wednesday, forensic experts were investigating what appeared to be blood spatters found in a trail running down the small cul-de-sac just off Tolodyne Road yesterday. A source told the Worcester News that a man had allegedly killed a woman and then hidden her body. Readers, some of whom knew Christina, paid tribute on our Facebook page. Nell Louise Harris said, This lady was lovely. Her daughter was her world. I can't believe it. Samantha Parry said, such a beautiful young pleasant lady, R.I.P. Love always to your daughter and family, always in my thoughts, love Sam. Supercell posted, so very sad, a beautiful girl taken so young, thinking of her family. Zoe MacDonald posted, a long way from her hometown, but murdered in our hometown, R.I.P., beautiful young girl. Bridget Kings added, very sad, another young life taken too soon. My thoughts are with the family. God bless her. Denise Lyons said, God bless her, R.I.P., beautiful young lady. My thoughts are with her family and friends. Jane Russell added, how very sad, R.I.P., such a beautiful young lady has had her life taken away. How heartbreaking for her poor family. Lauren Elizabeth added, My heart goes to her family and friends at this horrible time. Absolutely heartbreaking. R.I.P. Beautiful. Jen Munslow added, She was so lovely. She used to volunteer at my shop as well. Can't believe it. If you would like to add your tribute, log on to worcesternews.co.uk or you can check out our Facebook page. Man charged with murder. A relative of a woman whose body was found in the river as part of a murder investigation has described her as a sweet, thoughtful and talented woman. The family member of Christina Rowe, 28, spoke of her shock at her sudden death as a man accused of her murder and an attempted murder of a second person appeared in court for the first time. Charles Byron appeared at Kidderminster Magistrate Court to face the two charges which relate to offences which happened in the city on February the 10th. 24-year-old Byron was brought up from the cells into the dock with a security officer next to him. He appeared unemotional throughout, answering only yes when asked to confirm who he was. Dressed in a grey sweatshirt, and with shaved blonde hair, he did not enter a plea and spoke only to confirm his name, date of birth and address to the court. Prosecutor Ralph Robbins Landricum said bail should not be granted as there was a risk that Byron of Waterworks Road, Worcester would fail to surrender to police upon the start of the trial and a risk he may attempt to interfere with witnesses. 
Byron was represented in court by Jerry Vahey, who said to District Judge Derek French, Mr Byron understands these matters, so there are no representations I can make. Deputy District Judge French agreed, saying he would not allow bail. He said these particular charges can only be dealt with at Worcester Crown Court. The first date will be February the 16th. You will be remanded in custody until that date. I am satisfied with what the prosecution has told me in that you would fail to surrender and would also interfere with witnesses, particularly the other victim. A family member of Christina Rowe spoke to the Worcester News but asked us not to name her. She said Christina's death doesn't feel real. The relative said she was a sweet, thoughtful and talented woman. She was not judgmental, but deeply understanding, very philosophical and God-fearing. She loved to read and make music and dance. She was very intellectual and spiritual, a deep thinker and dreamed to be a writer. The relative said that Miss Rowe, a mum, had loved her daughter deeply and had been living in Worcester for more than three years, originally from the Philippines. She added, I hope justice is served. Miss Rowe's body was pulled from the river following an overnight search by police, firefighters and specialist divers on Wednesday evening. The discovery came after police cordoned off three locations in the city. Cheviot Close in Tolladyne, where Miss Rowe lived, Byron's home in Waterworks Road and Diglas Footbridge. He was charged with murder and attempted murder late on February the 11th after Miss Rowe's body was found. A vicious thug knocked an 11-year-old's teeth out during a frenzied attack in Worcester, stamping repeatedly on the boy's face. Quamran Ali of Worcester who was high on crack cocaine, attempted to choke a chicken to death before he launched the onslaught on the sensitive boy, who lay asleep and utterly defenceless. The former carpet fitter and taxi driver punched, kicked and stamped on the child's face, knocking out four of his teeth before assaulting a woman, splitting her lip and another child who tried to intervene as the boy screamed out in pain. Judge Nicholas Cole, one of Worcester's most senior and experienced judges, said it was the most serious case of assault occasioning actual bodily harm he had ever had to sentence when he jailed the 41-year-old thug at the city's Crown Court on Thursday. The shaven-haired brute appeared over prison video link, sighing occasionally during the hearing but otherwise remaining impassive. In interview, he said he felt he was a danger to himself and others. He stated he needed help desperately and was a risk to himself and the public, fearing he might kill someone, said the judge. Ali has previous convictions for violence, including kidnap and firearms offences, and broke an ex-partner's jaw in two places. He admitted assault occasioning actual bodily harm against the boy and two counts of assault by beating against a woman and a second child following the violent incident on August the 27th last year. 
Olivia May Appleby, prosecuting, said, he rained kicks and punches down upon this innocent little boy. That child describes the defendant as stomping on his face. It's clear the defendant was in a complete frenzy. It's unclear why the defendant behaved in such an appalling manner. The barrister described a scene of terror. Ali knocking out four of the boy's adult teeth. The boy has required extensive dental treatment, including painkillers and antibiotics. Significant work will be required to repair the damage, and the boy has already had root canal treatment. Nerve damage has also been another physical result of the attack. The judge, who viewed photos of the injuries, said the boy may well suffer a lifetime of difficulties with his teeth. Miss Appleby described Ali as heavy in self-pity but lacking in genuine remorse and having smirked in police interview. He makes reference to his time in prison and makes some sort of comment that when they see me on the block they poo in their pants, said the prosecutor. He's volatile and vicious and doesn't have an ounce of consideration for his vulnerable victims, she said. Ali pleaded guilty to all three charges. Ali has 10 previous convictions for 15 offences, including six offences of violence. Judge Cole, who ruled that Ali of Avon Road, Worcester, was dangerous, said, You accept you had taken a significant amount of crack cocaine the day before and had also been smoking cannabis. None of that excuses what happened. Judge Cole described how Ali had first tried to kick a chicken, wringing its neck, and later attacked the boys. It's quite clear this was a frenzied attack on an 11-year-old boy who was utterly defenceless and had been sleeping, said the judge. Judge Cole made a restraining order in relation to all three victims preventing any direct or indirect contact, including via social media. Ali was jailed for three years, half of which he can expect to serve in custody and half on licence. Time he has already spent on remand will count towards his sentence. Amy's killer finally admits her murder. A killer has admitted murdering a transgender woman after pleading guilty on the day his trial was due to begin. Martin Sabiri, aged 55, entered his guilty plea at Worcester Crown Court yesterday, more than two years after he killed Amy Griffiths in 2019. The trial had been scheduled to go ahead in full with a jury, but Sabiri changed his plea to guilty before the trial could start. He will be sentenced on March the 11th. Also at Worcester Crown Court, police were unable to provide his custody photo yesterday. Ms Griffiths was murdered between January the 11th and January the 14th in 2019. Later that month, Sabiri, then 53, was charged with her murder. Ms Griffiths was described as a hero in the local LGBT plus community by friends. Her body was found in Chalverton Court, Droitwich, on January the 14th, 2019.
with police saying she had suffered head and throat injuries. At the time, friends paid tribute to Miss Griffiths, saying she was a lovely person with a good sense of humour. Yesterday, the trial had looked uncertain to get underway as there was a delay of more than four hours. It had been scheduled to begin at 10am, but continued technical errors meant no progress was made until around 2.30pm. There had been discussions about adjourning the start of the trial until Tuesday, due to a problem establishing a video link to the courtroom. Eventually, a workaround was found, and Sabiri's guilty plea meant the jury was no longer needed. The trial was due to get underway last year, but this was delayed due to disruption in Worcester's courts caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Sabiri, previously of Brackley Close, Wallington, Surrey, had originally appeared in Crown Court in 2019, where he denied killing Miss Griffiths in Chalverton Court, Droitwich. The case was then adjourned for a forensics report before being pushed back to February the 1st this year. From there, it was again pushed back to February the 15th. When he was initially charged, Sabiri was arrested by police officers in Hackney, London. He refused to leave the cell when he appeared at Kidderminster Magistrate Court that week, so the initial hearing was carried out in his absence. Miss Griffiths was brutally murdered in her flat in Chelverton Court. Paying tribute to her shortly after her death, Connor Turner, then 21, said Miss Griffiths was a local hero to the LGBT community and that she had helped him when coming out as bisexual. She didn't have a selfish bone in her body, he said. She helped me through some difficult times when I was younger. I knew her from when I was 15 years old. I ended up on the streets for a bit. She found me outside a local shopping market and offered to cook me tea. Our friendship blossomed. She taught me how to love myself and care for myself. At the time, I was coming out as bisexual. I was absolutely devastated when I heard about her death. I'm heartbroken. Another friend of Miss Griffith, Mike Davis, 24, said, She was a reserved, well-mannered lady. He said, We lived in the same apartment complex in Worcester. She was just a lovely person with a good sense of humour. We hope to bring you a picture of Sibiri, the murderer, tomorrow. And now for some general news from the week's paper. Jumbo delivery for Big Parade. The quiet streets of Worcester came alive briefly as the city received a very special jumbo delivery. 65 fiberglass elephant sculptures destined for Worcester's Big Parade arrived in the city. Naked for now, the herd will be transformed with dazzling designs before welcoming residents and visitors back into the city this summer. The eight-week-long art trail will see the elephants parade through the city's streets, open spaces and shopping areas, marching in on July the 12th and leaving again on September the 7th. Artists will decorate the large sculptures, while schools and community groups will cover the calves in imaginative designs this spring. Sarah Matthews, B, 
Business Development Manager for St Richard's Hospice said, It is so exciting to see our lovely sculptures. They look so impressive, even all wrapped up, and their arrival signals the start of something really special that the whole city can look forward to this summer. Having now shortlisted 100 art designs, from which the final 30 will be selected, we know the artwork on display will do Worcester proud. While all elephant calves have now been adopted by local schools and community groups, a few large elephant sponsorships remain. To get involved, call 01905 763 963 and ask for Sarah Matthews, email s at strichards.org.uk or worcestersbigparade.co.uk forward slash get hyphen involved forward slash. You can follow Worcester's Big Parade at www.facebook.com forward slash Worcester's Big Parade www.twitter.com forward slash Parade. Worcester's Big Parade is supported by partners Crowngate, Worcester City Council, Worcester Business Development Improvement District Bid, The Worcester News and BBC Hereford and Worcester. The Witchhaven District Council has been trying out the use of environmentally friendly electric vehicles to collect waste across the district. FCC Environment the council's contracted waste management company was supplied with an electric refuse collection vehicle in December last year, as well as a fully electric sweeper last month as part of a demonstration. Refuse crew members took out the E1 RCV refuse truck, which has zero emissions, during two days on December the 22nd and 23rd across the district. The vehicle has been created by Refuse Vehicle Solutions and Dutch electric powertrain developers EMOSS who repower and convert diesel refuse vehicles into electric vehicles. It is one of the first fully electric conversions in the UK. The electric sweeper known as the BUCHER V65E was taken out during two days on January the 26th and 2nd and swept in Pershaw, Evesham and Broadway. The sweeper, which produces zero tailpipe emissions and low noise, can run for up to 200 kilometres on a single charge. Despite the cold weather, which reduces the range of all electric vehicles, both vehicles performed well in their short demonstrations close to the depot. More trials are planned for later in 2021 to understand better how electric vehicles might work across the Witchhaven district. Councillor Emma Stokes, Executive Board Member for Environment at Witchhaven District Council said, As part of the Intelligently Green Plan, the Council aims to lead the Witchhaven District to be carbon neutral as quickly as possible and by 2050 at the latest. By using electric vehicles, this is one of the potential ways to mitigate climate change. Steve Longdon, FCC Environment Operations Director, added, FCC Environment is one of the UK's leading recycling and resource management companies, collecting waste from 1.3 million people in the UK. 
We are committed to the fight against climate change and are actively working with Witchhaven District Council in its aim to be carbon neutral. As a result, we are looking closely at a range of alternative fuel vehicles to source the most efficient and cost-effective solution for our residents. Councillor in never-ending bin battle. A councillor says he has had enough of the overflowing rubbish bins in St John's. The offending bins belong to Papa John's in Bushwalk and have been a source of contention for almost three years. St John's County Councillor Richard Udall says the overflowing bins have been reported multiple times. He said enough is enough. I have lost count of the number of times this has been reported. These bins should not be on the public highway. They need to be removed. Yet again, I have reported the situation, but I now expect a permanent resolution. The bins are a nuisance. They are causing an obstruction, make the road look untidy, prevent street cleaning, and are often overflowing. It is illegal to permanently store bins on the highway. We have tried to help and tried to accommodate them, but it has gone on for too long and too many problems have happened. The bins now need to be removed and the owners need to find alternative ways to dispose of their trade waste. No other retailer in St John's permanently leave their bins on the highway. These premises should stop doing so. They need to respect their neighbours and remove the bins. Councillor Udall said in 2019 the pizza chain was fined by Worcester City Council for littering and warned that local residents have had enough of the mess. He said they are not above the law, the bins are regularly overflowing and bags are spilling onto the street. People can't get past the bins, especially motability scooters. The bags take up most of the footpath. There are rats around the bins. The bags are often left open and rubbish blows onto the street. Residents are extremely angry over how they have been totally ignored. No one from Papa John's was available for comment. Have you had a problem with rubbish in your area? Let us know by emailing reporter Gemma Bufton. Sanctuary has been chosen to be the developer to build new homes on the site of an eyesore former swimming pool. We previously reported Worcester City Council had said it had found a developer to build the homes on the site of Sanson Walk and this has now been confirmed as Sanctuary Group. The City Council, which currently owns the land, announced the decision to sell the site following a fresh, open, competitive procurement process. Under the new plans, the city-based housing provider is looking to build 40 affordable housing units on the site, subject to planning permission being given. Sanctuary intends to submit a planning application by early summer with demolition of the existing building due for completion in the autumn. The authority originally agreed to sell the site to Sanctuary Housing and YMCA in March 2018, but those plans to convert the site into 22 two-bedroom shared ownership home and 76 accommodation units fell through. Councillor Mark Bayliss, Worcester City Council leader, said, There is a clear need for more affordable properties for local people to rent in Worcester. 
We are delighted that Sanctuary, with its strong track record for delivering high-quality social housing developments, will create a new and positive future for the site. We will work closely with local residents throughout the demolition and construction phase, ensuring they are kept well informed throughout the process. David Soothill, Sanctuary's Director of Development for England, said, We are delighted to have been selected for the developmental partner for this important site in the heart of Worcester. As a major investor and employer in the city, we have always maintained a keen interest in the site and believe this new proposed development will be a great addition of much-needed, high-quality, affordable housing. Porcelain Site Plans The property management of the former Royal Worcester Porcelain Site has been taken over with plans for new businesses to move in. GJS Dillon has taken over the site and is advising tenants on moving on to the two sites, totalling more than 24,000 square feet. The company's property asset management team is taking over the service for the commercial elements of the Royal Porcelain Works, known as Site A and Site C. Site A, which equates to around 10,000 square feet, over two floors, is currently let with tenants including Good Roots and Ecrubox. Site C, which equates to around 14,000 square feet across two linked buildings, also known as Seven House and Painting House, has recently come to the market with GJS Dillon's agency team. The ground floor of both buildings has now been let with two other suites on the first floor under offer. The instruction came about from a further collaboration between the Worcestershire Commercial Property Consultancies Agency and property asset management teams. The agency team was instructed to market the site in June after its client finished the redevelopment of the site. GJS Dillon's asset management director, Adam Jones, said, I am absolutely delighted to be working with the Bransford Trust and with our own agency team on these beautifully renovated historic buildings. Our client has provided accommodation that is not only of high specification, but it is full of charm and character. The former Royal Worcester Porcelain site has been substantially redeveloped over the last few years with plans being submitted in 2019 for a massive gallery space and rebuilt bridge. The latest development would be the third and final part of a three-stage plan granted permission in 2016, which has already seen the Henry Sandon Hall open and a number of neighbouring apartments built by Barclay Homes. Nine new computers have been donated to three Worcestershire schools to assist with pupils' home learning after a fundraising effort by estate agents. The three schools, which have received three Amazon Fire tablets, are St George's Catholic Primary in Worcester, St Joseph's Catholic Primary in Droitwich and Summers Park School in Malvern. The free computers came after local firm Nicole and Co made a donation to an online fundraiser called Computers for Homeschooling. Nicole and Co founder Matt Nicole said, 
We made a donation to this worthy cause as estate agents and Stephen immediately got in touch to offer us some devices for our local community. We were thrilled to get involved as we know there's a huge need for more computers to help schools connect with pupils learning from home. The Computers for Home schooling project has already raised nearly £42,000 of its £50,000 project. Mystery Craftsman Leaves Foxes A mystery skilled craftsman has been brightening up people's city lockdown walks by creating a trail of homemade gifts for them to find. The Worcester News has spoken to the creator, who is going by the name The Lost Woodsman, and wishes to remain anonymous. They said, I wanted to bring a bit of happiness to people in these tricky times and also spread an eco-message to try to live lightly on the planet as all these are made carbon and pollution free. The latest pocket-sized animals being left in random location in Worcester, including city parks, are small wooden foxes. But in the past, the lost woodsman has created trails of owls and Christmas trees for people to find and keep. Each one found on a trail contains a message, specially for the finder. The mystery person behind the creations has created an Instagram account, The Lost Woodsman, where they share how the gifts are created and hints at locations where they can be found. One reader, who recently found a fox in Gellivelt Park, said it was a nice thing to do and wanted more people to know about the mystery craftsman's work. Emma Jenkins wrote, they are super cute. Natalie Hilton Doyle said, these are the cutest foxes, would love to find one. I mean, my kids would love to find one. What you're doing is such a lovely gesture. Fix Paloma said, I've just found your page. It made me cry with happiness. Such a thoughtful idea, which is bringing love and joy to people. The Lost Woodsman added this week, they are working on another large batch of foxes that will soon be hidden for people to find. Have you spotted one and given it a new home? Share your pictures with us by email sgr at worcesternews.co.uk and there's a lovely little picture of some of the foxes accompanying the article. Um, now, I'm, this is the Mayor's column, uh, Joe Hodges, Feelings of Hope in My Daffodils. As I write this, it is bitterly cold outside and the temperature is beginning to drop even further as darkness falls. What I also have in front of me is a vase of spring daffodils and in spite of the cold outside, these simple flowers give me hope of better times to come. We are approaching the one year mark since most of us realised that there was something amiss in the world, in the shape of a new virus. Little did we know then how serious it would be and how much it would change our lives. Another week in lockdown for me means another week when sadly I cannot come out to meet you and perform those special jobs that you expect from your mayor. I have, however, not been idle. I attended a Zoom meeting of the Council's Policy and Resources Committee at which we discussed and approved a budget for next year to be recommended to full council in two weeks' time. I also attended a trustees' meeting of Worcester Community Trust, again by Zoom. However, one of the nicest activities of my week was the Zoom meeting 
to launch the Sensory Lending Library at Fort Royal Primary School. The Friends of Fort Royal, together with generous donors, raised enough money to buy over 200 pieces of equipment which will help the pupils to extend their period of concentration. What a brilliant idea! Many thanks to all those who raised this money to make this possible. How have you used this lockdown time? Have you learnt a new skill? Read that pile of books? Decorated that room? Tidied the garden? Or decluttered your cupboard? If, like me, you've not done any of these, don't be disheartened. The coronavirus rate continues to fall in Worcester and with the vaccination programme progressing, we will get through this. A foolish swimmer who dived into a flooded Worcester River should not have been fined, says a city man who has lodged an official complaint with the police. On January the 28th, a man, 36, jumped off the main bridge in Worcester wearing just boxer shorts before swimming towards Diglis, sparking a major rescue operation. However, city resident Andrew Brown has written a letter of complaint to West Mercia's Police Professional Standards Department, arguing that the man who handed himself in after a police appeal should not have faced any punishment for either a public order offence or under COVID regulations. The swimmer was videoed diving into the river before swimming towards Diglis, where he climbed out, leading to a police appeal to trace him. West Mercia Police said the swimming was not permitted exercise during the pandemic, especially after he had travelled from the southwest. The man got in touch with the police and was formally interviewed in respect of offences for a coronavirus legislation breach and a breach of public order legislation relating to his actions of diving from the main river bridge of the River Severn into deep and dangerous flood water. Following this interview, the man has been issued with fixed penalty tickets under both legislations. Mr Brown, 57, wrote in his complaint letter, while it is obvious what the man did was foolish and irresponsible, it does not make it right for the police to fine him wrongly for a public order offence self-evidently unsupported by the fact. It is entirely absurd that his actions should be said to meet the first test, that of threatening or abusive words or behaviour, nor was it disorderly. That's it. There's no offence, and so he ought not to have been ticketed for that just to assuage indignation, whether it be that of the public or the emergency services, nor to impress the local people as to their willingness to enforce or their effectiveness. Worse, the police asked him in to speak to them to check his welfare. Clearly they lied about that publicly. They must have known that they were considering him for penalties. Then the issue of the Covid fixed penalty. He travelled out of his area for exercise. There is nothing in the English Covid regulations proscribing that. Not one word. Exercise is a reasonable excuse to leave the house. There is no extra requirement that the way it is done has also to be reasonable. In a reply, a spokesman for the Professional Standards Department for West Mercia Police said that as Mr Brown was not involved in the incident, he was not entitled 
can make a complaint under the Police Reform Act. However, the spokesman added, we will be reviewing these issues in line with statutory guidance police conduct process. Um, this is uh, our MP's weekly column, uh, Robin Walker. Work goes on despite disruption. As we near a whole year since the pandemic began to affect all our lives, I would again like to thank the people of Worcester for all the sacrifices that we are continuing to be made during this lockdown as we get the spread of coronavirus under control. It was a pleasure to join volunteers at Worcester Royal Hospital delivering items to wards for patients from their loved ones and there are plenty of opportunities for people, especially younger people, in the low-risk categories to get involved, give back to the community and help our NHS. It was great to meet an A-level student who was helping out and gaining valuable experience for her application to study healthcare. I am pleased with the expansion of community testing, which has increased across Worcestershire to allow 15,000 people to be tested per week. The cathedral is such an iconic building in Worcester and I am delighted it is now in use as a mass testing centre, taking a key role in response to the pandemic and providing vital reassurance to members of the public. Kitson's Pharmacy is also offering the rapid tests. The government has now advised that anyone aged 70 and over who has not yet been vaccinated against COVID to contact the NHS via their doctor to arrange a jab. In addition, the Mass Vaccination Centre at St Peter's Baptist Church is up and running. Despite the pandemic, work continues to improve our community. The town's fund bid has gone to the Secretary of State for Housing, Communities and Local Government, and I was delighted with the projects we have put together for the bid. I have also held meetings with secondary school heads to discuss the support available to them and the challenges they face, and I will be holding a question and answer with A-level politics students to discuss a number of topics. Virus rate falls as over 75s get jab. Worcester's infection rate has returned to pre-Christmas levels as the latest vaccination figures show almost all those over 75 have received their first jab. A total of 185,264 doses have been given out according to NHS figures. As many as 62,654 first doses have been given to those aged under 70 with 38,141 jabs given to those between 70 and 74. A total of 35,360 people aged between 75 and 79 have been given their first jab in both counties and 47,413 doses have been handed to those aged over 80. Almost all of the people aged over 75 in Worcestershire and Herefordshire have received their first jab, according to NHS data and Office for National Statistics population estimates. More than three quarters of people aged 70 and 74 have received their first jab and around 12% of people aged under 70 have received their first vaccine. The figures say a total of 185,264 first and second doses have been handed out between December the 8th and February the 7th. A 
A total of 756 people aged under 70 have received two jabs, with 22 people aged between 70 and 74, and 33 people aged between 75 and 79 receiving both jabs. As many as 885 people aged 80 and over have now received both coronavirus jabs. Worcester's infection rate was 176.8 cases per 100,000 people in the week up to February the 10th, according to Public Health England data. A total of 179 cases were recorded in Worcester in the week, with the rate dropping by almost 37% when compared to the previous week's figures. It is the lowest the infection has been in the city since December the 21st. Worcestershire's infection rate was 162.8 per 100,000 people in the week up to February the 10th, with 970 cases recorded. Morven's infection rate was 106.7 cases per 100,000 people, whilst Witchhaven's was 166 per 100,000 people. A YouTuber, author and property investor has urged people to shop locally to save the decaying high street. Rick Gannon took a tour around Worcester in a recent YouTube video to highlight the devastation caused to the centre and traders since the COVID-19 pandemic began. He questioned how businesses were going to come back from this and suggested that most of Worcester will be used for residential homes instead of shops in the future. However, the body representing city businesses said they were finding new ways to continue. Mr Gannon showed many empty shop units as he wandered through the city, including Pound Stretchers, Knoll Sports, Delhi Incorporated, The Bedroom Centre, Primo, Pizza Hut, Carphone Warehouse and HMV. He said this highlighted the devastating impact lockdown was having on city centres, not just here, but across the country. Mr Gannon added, this is the grim reality. A huge proportion of shops are closed in Worcester. It is an awful time for retailers right now. What does the future hold of retail? I think there will be some great opportunities in the future for the high street, but that doesn't take the pain away from those who have suffered the most, who have lost their businesses. One retailer we showcased in Worcester has been running for two generations and now it's gone. It's the sign of the times. We all need to support one another and we all need to start shopping locally again. Samantha McCarthy of Worcester Business Improvement District added, Our independent businesses are showing their steely determination to succeed by implementing innovative ways for us to shop, eat and drink. Our high street needs these businesses Please shop independently to support them through this. If you are Worcestershire based, sign up for the Visit Worcester newsletter for updates on local businesses, their offers and how you can still shop local and support them. Fortune cookies for hospital staff. Worcestershire Chinese Association, WCA, has donated 6,600 fortune cookies one for every member of staff across the three hospital sites in the Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust to raise a smile and celebrate Chinese New Year. H.J. Colston Inge, founder of Welfare for Healthcare, 
which raised £10,000 in March last year for the hospitals, whilst also selling scrubs, is a member of the WCA. She said, I was moved to hear that many staff are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder due to the ongoing challenges of COVID. Knowing that Chinese New Year is a time of hope for the spring and the coming together of family and friends, it seemed a fitting message to find a way to ensure that staff in our hospitals know that they are really valued and appreciated. The WCA was unanimous in its response and delighted to support our local NHS by donating these cookies. We wanted to bring a smile and hope to staff in the hospitals in a very personal way and we hope that highlighting the Chinese New Year festival might just do that. Chinese New Year starts this year on Friday, February the 12th and falls at the new moon in the Chinese lunar calendar and signals the start of spring. Sophie Burt, head of fundraising from the Trust, said, A huge thank you to our local Chinese community and welfare for health care for this brilliant donation. The fortune cookies will be a very welcome treat for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust staff who can pick one up on their way through the hospital restaurants and staff canteens in the run-up to Chinese New Year. Your support is very much appreciated for what remains a very busy time across the Trust. The cookies will be given out to every member of staff other restaurants and canteens or delivered directly to staff teams from this Friday. The WCA will be hosting a free Chinese New Year festival online on the 21st of February on Facebook. To join visit at Worcestershire Chinese Association. Members of the Rotary Club of Worcester have been collecting money they would have otherwise spent at their weekly lunchtime meetings over the last year and put it to good use by helping the city's food bank. The various lockdowns brought about by the COVID pandemic has seen the group use Zoom to keep in contact instead. And members decided, having got in touch with Graham Lucas, manager of the Worcester Food Bank, that they would do their bit to help with the increasing demands on the food bank. They came up with a simple idea to donate some or all of the money they would have spent at the lunchtime meeting. Member Terry Reid, who lived close to Graham, agreed to collect cheques from members and transfer them to him in a Covid-safe way. Every month since March last year, a batch of cheques has been handed over to the food bank. To date, the total is £5,252. Added to this at Christmas was a donation of £2,000 made jointly by the Rotary Clubs of Worcester and Worcester Begonia as they were unable to run their annual Christmas food parcel project. Rotary members plan to carry on making donations until the club meets again for lunch. A family have paid tribute to a former Worcester News editor who has died aged 69. Andrew Martin, who was the editor of the Worcester Evening News in the 1990s, now known as Worcester News, died suddenly on Thursday, February the 4th. Andrew's son Adam said, Dad and Mum had been a couple for over 50 years and had recently celebrated their golden wedding. The family moved to North Wales 19 years ago. Dad was kind, generous to a fault, had a great sense of humour 
and very fair-minded to everyone and he loved the work he did. He was fortunate to love his job, hence the reason he did it for so many years. He adored rugby and cricket and played at a reasonable level for a number of years. Andrew, who was living in Conway Valley at the time of his death, started his newspaper career in 1968. His first job had been in printing. He did this for six months before securing a job as junior reporter on the Banbury Advertiser. After a couple of years, he got a reporting job on the Banbury Guardian. He then moved to Morven, where he became editor of the Morven Gazette before becoming editor of the Evesham Journal and then the Worcester Evening News. Veteran Worcester News reporter Mike Price said, he was great at the job and a very good cricketer. Years later, he held a position as sub-editor at the Birmingham Post. Andrew took over from Steve Rogers as editor of the North Wales Pioneer, the North Wales Chronicle and the Real Journal in 2012. He had been with the company, then NWN Media and now NewsQuest for six years. During that period, he also edited the Denbyshire Free Press. Andrew died suddenly on February the 4th at 12.15am. He leaves behind his wife Sue, 68, grown-up children Melissa, Adam and Nicholas, and four grandchildren. Adam added, Dad could often be found helping out with the breakfasts at the weekend. He could turn his hand to most things and was always ready for a chat with guests. Worcester schoolboy Oscar Saxelby Lee continues to shoot for the stars with a space-inspired birthday celebration his family were told we'd never see. Oscar turned seven this week, having come through the ordeal of pioneering and life-saving leukaemia treatment in Singapore that was not available on the NHS. The appeal for £500,000 to fund the treatment was the fastest growing campaign hosted by charity fundraising site Virgin Money Giving at the time. The Pitmaston Primary School pupil inspired dozens of individuals, schools, sports teams, dance clubs and businesses to pledge money and organise events in a bid to raise the mammoth sum needed to save his life. And he returned in June, heading back to school in October, having been cancer free for 10 months. In an update on his Facebook page, Hand in Hand for Oscar, mum Olivia Saxelby posted a picture of Oscar looking the part in his spacesuit with an astronaut balloon floating in the background. Happy seventh birthday, darling boy, she said. Seven years ago, we welcomed you into this world, naming you our miracle baby. Since that moment, you have shown us how to live, how to learn, and most of all, how to love unconditionally. Today, our hearts are singing with joy and screaming with pride. This moment is one we were told we'd never see. And here you are celebrating life, celebrating you. You deserve the world, Aussie Bear. We love you so very much. The post attracted a whopping 950 comments wishing Oscar a lovely day within 24 hours. And if you'd like to leave a comment wishing Oscar a happy birthday, log on to worcesternews.co.uk. A soldier who has been deployed to a Worcester hospital marked his 18th birthday 
on his first day in the job. Private Brandon Dean from Hartlepool is one of 12 soldiers belonging to the 1st Battalion, the Yorkshire Regiment, who have been deployed to carry out general duties at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, Worcester and Alexandra Hospital, Redditch, both part of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust. The armed forces cannot deploy personnel in public facing roles until they are aged 18. So this was Brandon's first operational task for the army. Private Dean was presented with a birthday cake and card from fellow soldiers during a break from duties last Friday, 29th of January, on the ward at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital. He said, it was a big surprise to get a cake and card from my unit on my first day of duties at the hospital. We're all just pleased to be doing our bit to help the NHS at this crucial time. Anything we can do to ease the pressures on nurses and doctors who are working incredibly hard makes this worthwhile. In total, 370 doctors have been deployed in support of NHS Midlands in 23 hospitals. The soldiers are assisting as either combat medical technicians or, as in Private Dean's case, carrying out general duties. Their general duties soldiers are carrying out cover a range of non-clinical tasks, such as moving equipment and cleaning, as directed by NHS staff, in order to improve patient care. Over 5,500 military personnel are now deployed across the UK as part of the Armed Forces' largest ever peacetime resilience operation focused on testing, vaccines and clinical support for the NHS. Hundreds of defence medics have deployed to NHS hospitals across the UK to work in intensive care units and other patient-facing roles, providing vital care alongside NHS professionals. Brigadier A.J. Smith, Commander Joint Military Command, West Midlands said, We remain in support of NHS Midlands, as we have been for the last 10 months. Our military personnel are providing medical and broader support to the amazing NHS team as they continue to face this unprecedented challenge. In addition, we're helping to roll out the regional vaccine programme with six vaccine quick reaction forces made up of military personnel deployed across the Midlands. A scheme to get more people cycling in Worcester and the county has been recognised with a prestigious accolade. Woo Bikes, a partnership pilot e-bike scheme, has been awarded a Silver International Corporate Social Responsibility Excellence Award. The Woo Bike scheme consists of 50 electric bikes, also known as e-bikes, and is led by the University of Worcester alongside Worcester County Council, Worcestershire County Council, Worcester City Council and Worcestershire Local Enterprise Partnership. When launched in 2018, it was one of the country's largest citywide e-bike share schemes. The pilot began as a university-based scheme for staff and students and has been expanded to include several local businesses and organisations. The awards run by the Green Organisation reward companies, councils and communities for their efforts to be a force for good and change for the better and involved more than 500 nominations in 2020.
The award judges said, This pilot scheme stems from the University of Worcester and Worcester City Council's joint aim to encourage their community to get on their bikes. Professor David Green, the Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive of the University of Worcester said, This award reflects our wider commitment to sustainability and to encourage people to find alternative ways to get around. The university was named the UK's Sustainability Institution of the Year in late 2019 and has earned first-class honours in the annual Green Universities League for more than a decade. Councillor Andy Stafford, Vice-Chairman of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee added, The Woo Bikes initiative is a great example of how local authorities, the educational sector and businesses can work together to achieve the level of sustainability we all need to deliver. A popular annual festival celebrating the city's magnificent heritage is making a welcome return this February half-term. Love Worcester Festival is making a return with plans changed due to the pandemic, with the option of many online activities to take part in. The festival gives the opportunity for people to learn about and enjoy the city's rich heritage with museums, churches and heritage attractions all participating and many virtually opening their doors for people to explore. Annually organised by the Worcester Heritage Partnership, made up of 14 heritage organisations, the festival runs this year between Saturday, February the 13th and Sunday, February 21st. Among the activities planned this year are the chances to enjoy stories of Worcester's history, craft activities to do at home and art exhibitions to look at. Tickets can be booked via Eventbrite at tudorhouse.org.uk forward slash event forward slash the talkies the Cadbury connection with hyphens between the talkies the Cadbury and connection. Worcester Cathedral's learning team has an online offering with virtual workshops based on the cathedral's art and architecture. Visitors can explore art exhibitions such as the beautiful Skyscape exhibition online by visiting museumsworcestershire.org.uk forward slash collections as well as find out more about Worcester's role in the English Civil War and enjoy lots of craft activities including making your own museum. For a full list of Love Worcester Heritage Festival events, see visitworcester.co.uk or search hashtag Love Worcester on social media. The Love Worcester Week also provides the ideal opportunity to launch the city's 400th charter anniversary. Throughout the year, events and celebrations will focus on this important milestone in Worcester's history. Work is well underway to convert a city centre listed building into 25 flats for the homeless. And the 25 new flats being created by Worcester Municipal Charities for Homeless Young People in the City are set to open later this year. The plan for the conversion of the old probation offices in Shaw Street at a cost of more than £2 million was enthusiastically backed by city planners in August 2019. The plan came about after the probation service left in 2019 and moved to Elgar House at Shrub Hill. 
the charity trustees were faced with a huge rent loss and an empty building which no one wanted. So they decided to turn it into flats for the homeless instead. The plan was bankrolled by Worcester Municipal Charities with some grant funding of £1 million from Homes England. The building is being renamed Stillingfleet House to commemorate the work of Worcester Bishop Edward Stillingfleet. He single-handedly stopped the old Worcester Corporation of Freeman from stealing Worcester Municipal Charities money in the 1650s, which they used to make gifts to King Charles and the Queen and to pay military bills, including uniforms for the King's lifeguards who were billeted in the city for the Battle of Worcester. The new flats is the latest project from the charity. Since 2013, with financial help from Homes England, the charity has embarked on a programme of creating affordable flats for homeless people. Paul Griffith, chairman of the charity, said, The charity trustees are delighted to have found a new investment policy that fits in perfectly with its own charitable objectives of helping the poor whilst generating a reasonable return at a time when returns on capital are low and flats for the single homeless are in very short supply. The rents from the flats will all be spent on helping the poor and hopefully creating more flats for the homeless. Worcestershire sauce supplies were hampered over Christmas, but makers insist they are getting to grips with addressing the shortfall. Some supermarkets and shops in the region are stocking the smaller 150ml bottles, but some gaps still exist when it comes to the larger 290ml size. Worcester's most famous export was stymied by the short-term availability of bottles in December. The sauce produced in Midland Road, Worcester, is a favourite across the world. And that ends our local news. Uh, we'll now move on to just a three items of sport, starting with some golf. County tournament to air on Sky Sports. The inaugural Worcestershire Masters will be shown live on Sky Sports Golf this summer as the PGA Euro Pro Tour comes to the Vale Golf Course in June. The event, sponsored by Worcester-based GLAL.UK, will take place from June the 30th to July the 2nd and will be broadcast to around 500 million homes in more than 140 countries. The PGA Euro Pro Tour is based mainly in the UK with a majority of British-based players competing with others coming from Ireland and continental Europe, providing professional golfers with an entry point to a career in tournament golf and every event on the tour is televised on Sky Sports Golf in the UK and around the world on other partner channels, with the two-hour programme airing in the week following on from the event in the UK. Blackstar Golf, co-promoters of the event, have announced that Worcestershire-based GLAL.UK will become the headline sponsor of the 2021 event. Anthony Otway, CEO of GLAL.UK, said, We are delighted to be sponsoring the first Worcestershire Masters. We have always supported young sportsmen and with the help of the other event partners, we hope to build the event into a recognised professional golf event. We also are very much looking forward to supporting the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust 
the official charity of the event. Marco Billet, Managing Director of the Vale Golf Club said, we are thrilled to stage our first televised professional event at the Vale. And I would also like to thank Anthony and his team at GLAL.UK for their support in helping us create a great event. We feel the course will be a great test to the best up and coming professional golf stars of the future. Dan Godling, CEO of PGA Euro Europa Tour said, we are delighted to welcome this new event on the 2021 schedule. I would also like to thank Jeremy Robinson of Blackstar Golf, Marco Bellet, the Managing Director of the Vale Golf Club, and Anthony Otway of GLALU.UK for having the vision to try and get the county of Worcestershire together to stage the first televised golf event in the area. We are very much looking forward to working with the team of the 2021 Worcestershire Masters, showcasing the best of the Vale Golf Club, along with the stunning county of Worcestershire. The Worcestershire Masters Pro Event Pro-Am will be staged on June the 29th. Further details of how to enter can be obtained from Blackstar Golf Limited at the contact details listed below. The Pro-Am will be supporting the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust through various initiatives. Tricky start to the season for stars. Seven stars have endured a challenging start to their Vitality Netball Super League season with two defeats on the opening weekend of the 2021 campaign. Stars took on two-time Super League champions Wasps on Sunday evening but were second best in the end as they fell to a 34-53 loss at Studio 001 in Wakefield after suffering a narrow 30-36 defeat to Strathclyde Sirens on Friday night. Following the Sirens' defeat, Stars were hoping for a better outcome, but the strong Wasp side started the evening strongly and the Stars were left dazed as their opponents raced to a 16-4 first quarter lead. It was a similar story on the second quarter and went on to extend their already healthy advantage, leading 14-31 at half-time. Stars improved in the second half and won the final quarter 14-10, but were largely second best and eventually lost 34 53. Seven Stars coach Melissa Bessel said she expected a higher level of play from her players but insisted they would come back stronger. These players are expected to play at a higher level and give a better performance and there is really no excuse for today's performance she said. It is back to the drawing board for us but we will have time to fix it and we will come back stronger. Seven Stars take on Manchester Thunder on Sunday, February the 28th at midday, available live to watch on Sky Sports' YouTube channel. Worcester Warriors head coach Jonathan Thomas insists it's up to the players to turn the tide of their current losing run after their 13-17 loss to Wasps on Sunday. Two first-half scores from James Caskell and Tom Willis put the visitors 14-3 up at half-time, despite Worcester taking the lead from the tee after just 11 minutes from Jamie Shillercook. 
I said to the boys at half-time, do we want to be victims or fighters, he said. But I was proud of the effort in the second half and they fought back well. But the reality is we shouldn't have put ourselves into that position and two tries killed us in that opening half. Winning is a habit, but losing is too. We did everything to win that game. Possession, territory, but we didn't take our chances. We have to break the habit of losing because we should have won that game. Warriors produced a spirited comeback in the final quarter, having been 17-3 with 21 minutes to play. But ultimately, the terrible opening 40 minutes proved decisive in the end result. Of course it's frustrating to lose, but it's not about me, it's about them, said Thomas. I believe in them, but they have to believe in themselves and the ability they have because we cannot keep losing games like that. There have now been too many games where we should have won. Worcester makes six changes for the game, with Shilcock stepping in at the fly half after injuries to first and second choice number 10s, Duncan Weir and Billy Searle. Warriors are a young squad, but missing key players is proving difficult to deal with, said Thomas. There were some huge learnings and experience for some of those guys, but the big thing is we have some of our X-Factor players in Milani and Ollie out and any team will miss that opportunity, he added. But we'll have to be brutally honest with ourselves and say we should have won that game today, but it will come. And that ends our uh, contribution of the news. The obituaries will follow after the music. Thank you very much for listening and uh, stay safe. And thank you to Ian for helping with this production. Goodbye. Goodbye. Our thought for today is taken from Psalm 52. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Now we have the obituaries. Um, John Parry, retired passed away at St Richard's Hospice on January the 15th. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, a private funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, February the 22nd. For those wishing to pay their last respects, the funeral cortege will leave John's home in Clifton-on-Teen at 10.30am. If you wish to view the service online, then please use the following link https double slash www dot obit us dot com slash username j o t u three six six three password six three nine nine three four donations in memory of John are invited for St Richard's Hospice and may be sent direct to the charity or care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Malcolm John Charles Cole passed away on January the 16th. A private family funeral will take place in due course. Family flowers only with donations 
to St Richard's Hospice send care of Bedouin funeral services. James Millard passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on January the 17th. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 18th of February at 10am. Donations in lieu of flowers gratefully received at the funeral for Motor Neurone Association in memory of Jean. David John Augie passed away peacefully on January the 27th. A private graveside service will take place on Tuesday, February the 23rd. Donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation may be sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Jacqueline May Simpson on sadly passed away on 27th of January. Due to current restrictions, a private funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 24th of February. Barry George Wells, formerly of Lower Wick, Worcester, passed away on the 30th of January. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance may be sent direct to the charity or to Bebotine Funeral Services. Evelyn Agnes Crawford passed away peacefully in her sleep at home on January the 31st. Evelyn's funeral mass will take place at St Joseph's Catholic Church, Worcester, on Tuesday, February the 23rd at 11.15am, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium. Friends and family will be limited to 30 attendees at both locations due to COVID restrictions. No flowers by request, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Brian Kelvin Mayos passed away at home on January the 31st. Donations if wished for the Queen's Nursing Institute, care of Worcester Funeral Service. Francis George Frank Morris, sadly passed away on the 31st of January. All inquiries to George Crump and Son. Joan Wright Patterson passed away peacefully on Monday the 1st of February. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday 23rd of February at 1.45. Family and friends will be limited to 30 attendees due to COVID restrictions. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St George's Church Organ Fund may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Grateful thanks to all the staff at Fernhill House. Martin Douglas Bowkett sadly passed away on the 8th of February. His funeral will take place on Saturday the 20th of February. Please contact Karen if you would like to attend. Live webcast information can be provided by Hoskins on 01905 27862. Our thoughts and prayers go to all the family and friends of the deceased.